This episode is brought to you by Paycor, the HR and payroll software made for leaders. It's never been harder to recruit, hire, and engage workers. That's why HR leaders and frontline managers depend on Paycor for all things people management, from onboarding and performance reviews to compensation and benefits. Learn more at paycor.com slash leaders. Welcome to The Final Four is Not in the Schedule. I'm your host, Eric, alongside with expert analyst Rod. Thanks for joining us on the best MSU basketball podcast featuring an in-depth recruiting, game matchup, and post-game analysis. We dive deep to give you the best tools to enjoy the Spartans and impress your friends and family. Hey, everybody. It's Eric alongside Rod. We're here to talk about Nebraska. Post-game show is Michigan State visit Nebraska and Lincoln and defeated the Cornhuskers 80 to 67 after a scintillating second half <laughs> against the Cornhuskers. Um, before we begin, I just want to remind you, if you want to support the show, we have all this extra content we bring for you. You know, I've got, Rod has a new microphone, you know, we put, <laughs> this show has been upgraded. There are lots of things we've done. And so we really appreciate the support you've given us. The two ways you can support us, you can go to our support page at the final force on the schedule.com slash support. You can do one time or a recurring monthly gifts. Thanks so much to the Scott Skiles, Draymond Green, and Mateen Cleaves uh, donors. We really appreciate what you guys are doing and keeping our show on the air. And also, if you want to buy merchandise, either our hoodies or our t-shirts through Nudge Printing, you can go to finalforceontheschedule.com slash merchandise. You can do a little tab up at the right-hand corner and just select, select the merchandise tab. You go to, you pick either the t-shirt or the hoodie. It sends you to, to Nudge Printing. All the proceeds from those those shirts go to our show. So that's another way of supporting the show. And you get a cool shirt. I've got the hoodie. Uh, it's awesome. And I'm going to be look, wearing it in a couple days at the Ohio State game as I go shoot free throws. Uh, I've still been practicing. Um, so before I even begin, I think sometimes at halftime, when things aren't going well, I just get frustrated. I think I'm just going to write the, the synopsis of the game for the podcast and then we'll just, you know, watch the rest of the game. So I'm just going to read what I wrote because <laughs> I think it's pretty funny. So MSU traveled to Lincoln for a rematch against the Cornhuskers who had been quite a t- on quite a tear recently and continued again today, tonight as they defeated Michigan State X to X. The game was decided early as the Spartans were unable to hit any shots from the field and had one stretch that lasted over eight minutes without a field goal. Despite being an excellent three-point shooting team, MSU missed wide open three after wide open three and fell behind to a raucous crowd on senior night. More concerning was a weak defense played by the Spartans, allowing the Huskers to score yep. 38 points in the first half. Well, of course, that's yep. all moot now. <laughs> but it is, I, I do think in some ways it does tell you a little bit about the game. So Michigan State scores uh, 26 points in the first half. Miserable shooting. Had to rally late. Had yeah, to rally right. late to get that high. Right. To, there was, I was going to say, is there anybody listening to this? Because I can't raise my hand who thought, when it looked like Michigan State would struggle to hit 20 by halftime, <laughs> and they were going to end this game with 80. Oh, I, I turned my wife at the end of the game. I said, I don't know what odds you'd have to give me. 20, 100 to 1, I'm not quite sure, to say that how many, the chance of them scoring 80 points. I, I don't know that I would have ever taken that bet <laughs> for any amount of money. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, Michigan State finishes the half uh, the game, scoring 54 points in the second half, outscoring Nebraska, and actually just cruised into a win, surprisingly, after they passed him. Uh, 54-29 in the second half uh, and and just shot the lights out in the second half. And Michigan State shot 
a 12 of 17 for three for 70.59 percent and actually the first half despite really hit missing everything they were four of 12 because they hit threes at the end like you mentioned at the first half to just stay in right. contact with nebraska so they right. shot you know 33 percent which is respectable out of 12 but just they were and I will say this too. My favorite announcer, and I, maybe I'm all alone in this, is I love Sean Morris. He's like my favorite no, BTN absolutely guy. Not. I, and his his line where he said, usually when you see a drought like this, Willie Nelson shows up and gives a concert. I mean, he has right. these country sort of folks, folksisms. I just love it. I just love his his analysis is smart and he's really entertaining without being over the top like a lot of these guys absolutely. are. Absolutely. He does not get and never has gotten nearly enough credit. And I was thinking to myself, when I, I found out who was doing the game, he may have done another MSU game this year, but I can't recall. He certainly has not done as many as we're used to seeing. You usually, I, you usually see him more frequently than they have this year. That would be my, my takeaway because I've really noticed the broad, let, let's just put it this way with Fox really wading in in an ever more serious fashion into college basketball um broadcasting talents getting spread mighty thin <laughs> really thin uh and i'll leave it at that but yeah i'm i'm with you 100 percent. and I, I swear to god i had that same thought at, when i found out he was going to be doing the game just before tip that oh great because i couldn't recall if we've heard him yet this year but um yeah, it, it makes it makes for an enjoyable game. And actually, you know, when you think about the Big Ten Network, um, you have two guys, the caliber of Sean Morris and Robbie Hummel. Yes, uh, they're pretty well served. And even the guys who aren't quite at that level, you know, Stephen Bardo is not my favorite. He's pretty good, though. But by by national standards, he's generally OK. Mm-hmm. Um, the, you know, the, the Big Ten Network does just fine in that regard. Yeah. Um, but, but anyway, getting, getting back to the game, um, I thought that the first half looked to me like our listeners, hopefully remember, we talked to Mike Garland about this after the Iowa game and we asked him, how do you deal with this as a coach? Do you, do you pump them up? Do you go over the mistakes and say, this is, these are the things we've got to correct. Or is it a combination? And he said, you know, it'd be a combination of the two. And, and then we, we further, you know, from that, we, we asked a, a follow-up question and said, you know, when are you, as a coach, when do you know? And he said, we're not going to know until tip. <laughs> yep. Well, I, I thought what we saw in that first half was a team that lacked confidence Certainly offensive. Certainly Walker, too. Because right? the, I feel like of all of them, they, he looked like it the most. Yeah, because not only were they getting good shots. Here's, here's what I thought happened. They got some really good looks early and kept missing. Mm-hmm. And then after that, I thought guys, and Tyson would be top of that list, but he wasn't the only guy. I thought they were very hesitant after that to take threes that were reasonably good looks. I'm not saying they were they were passing on wide open threes, but they definitely were gun shy. Yep. And that's a confidence thing, mm-hmm. you know, and you can't, so I suspect that that was sort of 
uh, a result in some ways of not having fully gotten past the Iowa game. Now I can't, you know, I'm armchair uh, <laughs> psychoanalyzing this stuff. I, it can be as simple as, Hey, you just didn't make shots, which happens, but you look at that and then man defensively, and I'm glad you mentioned it because every, I, I have not seen one little bit of social media in this game because of the way that first half went, you know, oftentimes I'll look at, Oh, you don't want to look. Yeah, I did. I know. And, (laughs) and the thing is, if, if someone was just criticizing the performance on its merits, absolutely. There was nothing to do, but criticize. Um, I imagine a lot of it went much, much further than that, which is the stuff that I always have a problem with, but it looked to me like a team. I honestly was wondering, boy, guys, are we going to be able to find it again this year? Because as we talked about, this team's had to deal with so many things yes. that were out of their, you know, some that were out of their control and, and some that were, you know, like Iowa things that they contributed mightily to that. Honestly, you couldn't blame them. in in some respects, if, if it really affected them that much. And I just thought the, the hesitation offensively and just the complete lack of execution defensively. I mean, they got outplayed every which way you can be. They were late on three point shooters. They got back cut to death. Um, Really the only thing Nebraska didn't really work them on that much was the low post game. Uh, But everything else, Michigan State was just horrendous defensively in that first half. And so my my thinking going into halftime was, one, it's a miracle they're only down 12. (laughs) Yeah. Really, because they played so badly. If that had been, you know, let's say, and if that had been Iowa, the way I, especially the way Iowa's playing offensively right now, or that had been Purdue. They've been 30 points. um, They would have been down 20 plus. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think Nebraska played well offensively, but a, a better team would have cut Michigan State up even worse. So the first thought was, thank God they're only down 12. And then my second thought was, I'm betting they're going to hit more shots in the second half. Can they get better defensively? Because here's something that, that you and I have not spent a lot of time focusing on, and we should have. Lately, I mean, over the course of the season, Michigan State's been a pretty damn good defensive team Mm -hmm. lately they have not been um at least not consistently they were good against indiana reasonably good not great um they were not good at all against michigan we know what they were against iowa so there's been a little slippage over the last week week and a half that is concerning because this is not the time of year you want to see that. And then that first half performance did nothing but (laughs) buttress that thought in my mind that I don't know if they're going to be able to to get it back because it's just, it was so comprehensive that it wasn't like you could focus on one thing and say, boy, the guy in the post is just killing them. They got to start bringing more help or, you know, they're, they're letting, they're letting penetrate. I mean, to a man, that's something else they were horrible at. Horrible dribble penetration defense. Yeah, straight line drives everything. The, the, oh, the 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 possession where where Greasel grabs the rebounder, got the outlet pretty quickly after rebound, <laughs> yeah. and basically goes baseline to baseline without anybody picking them up. I mean, it was just comprehensively bad. And so that was my thought, is if they can figure out and get back to guarding 
the way that they've guarded most of the season, they'll have a chance. And they did that. And then it helped, of course, that they were blistering hot offensively. But I, I'll tell you something. And I saw Tom Mizzle's post-game uh, interview, and he mentioned just how the thing he takes away from it is that his guys just keep responding. They keep getting off the mat after they take these heavy duty body blows. And I think that's the conclusion you have to reach in this game, but I'll tell you what was huge for me, really huge. And you can look at the whole second half that way. But to me, the biggest thing was MSU got it down to three with fairly early in the half. I can't remember exactly. Probably 15 minutes left. Yeah. They got it. And then Nebraska went on a 7-0 run that was capped by Tomonaga hitting a three that he released and then looked away. <laughs> he knew it was going in. Yeah. And it just and it just felt, even to a, a deep Michigan State fan like me, I'll be honest, my reaction seeing that was it's one of those nights. Yep, that's my that was my I thought too. that Michigan State had had really played very, very well, especially offensively in the beginning of that half to get back in it. And then just the roof caved in for about a minute and a half or two minutes and bam, it's right back up to double digits. And from there, they took over. They did not let that take them out, which, you know, you had reason to wonder if that's what would happen. And instead they got even better defensively. Um, I thought that uh, they were vastly better in terms of denying dribble penetration. Oh yeah. They clearly did a much, much better job with Tominaga in terms of locating him. And you saw tonight, I mean, it's the things we talked about. He takes shots that are out of rhythm, and he's also got such a quick release that if you are not there on the catch, literally on the catch, and he's got a sliver of a window to get a shot off, he's going he's gonna to get it off. And right now, the way he's playing, they're going to drop, right? Yeah, well, they did, so, yeah. Michigan State was much better in that way. I thought they were really good in when when Nebraska would look to drive, would look to take the ball to the rim. A lot of good help defense caused some timely turnovers. They had several of those that I thought came in big moments where Michigan State was able to use it as as not necessarily a backbreaker, but again, body blows the other direction. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought they were pretty damn good the way they handled Walker. Uh, post guys were reasonably solid. I, the ones he made were pretty much all tough shots. They didn't give him a lot that was easy. I would say that the post play, even when they weren't playing good defense, was good. Like that was the one part that was not breaking down much. Uh, they just were they were just getting exposed because of just poor play everywhere else and on defensively. So, yeah. Those guys were, were the fives were solid. Uh, Cooper didn't play. So it was, it was Marty who played most of the game and then Jackson a little bit. Um, but the help was good too. They had good dig downs in the second half, not as much in the first and the first Walker was able to find some stuff out of those doubles. You know, I didn't think there, I didn't think Michigan state's rotations and recovery was, was as good as it needed to be, you know? So all of that really turned around and then obviously you know, everyone's going to focus on the, the three point shooting. And when you go 12 for 17 and a half, rightly so, but you got to really give a tip of the cap to AJ Hogard. Yes. Um, and Izzo said it in his post game interview too. He said, Hogard came into the locker room and told Izzo that's the worst I've played. 
And <laughs> I don't know if it I don't know if it's the worst he's played, but he wasn't great. And and that's at both ends. I thought he really struggled defensively in the first half. Lawrence took him to the rim a couple times where I just he just didn't square him up. Yeah, right. He, he gave by. him an angle. Yeah. And and so AJ came out in the second half and took that game over. Yes. Guys needed to make shots and they did. That's all important. But it was something Sean Morris mentioned on a couple of occasions. Hogard was making, and we've talked about this. Hogard was making passes into a shooter's pocket. And it is so important. It's not just about swinging the ball to a guy. It's getting the guy, the ball, the shooter, the ball in a spot where he can go directly into his shot. So then it's just mechanics. You're not having it. All right. I catch the ball at my waist. I got to bring it up. I got to, or I'm going over my head to reel it in. You know, AJ was putting the ball on the money and that's a really good way to help your shooters out and increase the likelihood that you're going to start making shots. And that's what happened. Uh, the other thing, well, we'll talk about the, in the keys, but the other thing that I thought was really good throughout the game, both ends, Michigan state, responded to what's been a problem for a lot of yeah. recent yeah. games and really rebound. Yeah. 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 I want, you know, I would say with those point guards and with the way AJ was passing, there is a certain level of confidence that you can pass a ball to someone like, you know, we, and I don't know, it's, I, I don't even know how you'd even sort of measure it, but you can definitely feel like when the guy's passing you the ball, like he expects you to make that shot. And the way AJ was passing it, you, it was right. Absolutely in the right spot for in the shooter's pocket. But it was also, I don't know if it was like, he was just like confidently throwing to people. And so I think there's, yep. there is something that, and then of course a couple drop and then you really start feeling like every time he tosses someone, they're going to, they're going to score. So I think again, you know, I, I feel like that this leadership sort of, uh, whatever it is, is actually starting to merge a little bit in AJ. I know he's had some, you know, off and on, but he's been generally pretty good over the last few games. Well, according to, according to Izzo, I mean, he was the guy that Izzo mentioned right. and called out. And I think when you look at the way that he played, you you have to acknowledge how critical he was to what they did. And, and you're absolutely right about confidence. And we see it is a fragile thing. Uh, Michigan State lacked all confidence in the first half, I think largely coming out of what happened to them in Iowa City. At least that's my read. Sure. Um, they found it in the second half and it just snowballed. Yeah. And sometimes that's when, when you combine that with guys that have particular skills, and this is a very good jump shooting team for Michigan state. That's just reality. Mm -hmm. Um, they're one of the best jump shooting teams in the country. As a matter of fact, that's a, that's objective truth. Um, so when you combine confidence with that boy you can get things like this you can get a half where it just snowballs I, we saw it with iowa a team that has not been nearly as good a shooting team as michigan state except at home obviously they're significantly better yeah. and they found that confidence and if you don't think that's real and that that has an impact on performance you're out of your mind yeah ask we Indiana. absolutely saw it with iowa yeah again tonight for Iowa, but I, particularly I'm talking about down the stretch against Michigan oh, yeah, state right. yeah, regulation sure. where they just could not miss. Yeah. And it got to the point that even when MSU 
contested one of those shots really well, the one that McCaffrey hit, he still hit it because of, in part, because of confidence. And you saw that in the second half tonight for Michigan State. When they got rolling and, and you got a point guard out there that's orchestrating things the way he was, and guys just feed off of all of that. Yeah. And it becomes, a, a uh, to use a business term, a virtuous cycle. It's just the <laughs> positives keep feeding on the positives, just like it can go the other way. Sure, yeah. Well, and you know, if you look at AJ's line, you'd say, well, four for 11 is not great. 0 for 1 from 3, pair of free throws, care. three rebounds, but you know, 14 yeah. assists, only one turnover. And that was, uh, and, uh, and then he also had a steal and just, he finished with 10 points, but I mean, he, like you said, he's the one who was the difference in that, at least he was, he was instrumental in getting them back. And maybe it's just that adding that confidence, which is what, that's what a point guard is supposed to do in the Tom Izzo system. Joey Hauser. And he was, and he was before we leave AJ, don't, don't overlook his improvement in the second half defensively as well. Right. Oh, yeah, because absolutely. Because I thought, I thought um, Lawrence really took advantage of him, and so did Greasel at times in that in that first half. And in the second half, for the most part, those guys got shut down. Yeah. AJ was much much better. Joey Hauser finishes at twenty points, six for eleven from three, and just uh, seven rebounds. One of them offensive, two assists and a turnover. Tyson Walker, nineteen points. Uh, two assists, three turnovers, and uh, three for four from three, six for 13 from the field. Had that dagger three at the end that just totally finished I, the game. I was good. Well, it was a, yeah, there was a, a two point shot, though. Oh, yeah. The, that oh, I think was the biggest. Oh, the one off the inbound the one with one second about. or something. Yes. Yes. And I was going to say, you want to talk about the effect of confidence? Right. Yeah. There it is. Right. Because that shot from he's guy, missing in the first, in the half, first right? half. Right. From a guy in the first half who was missing far better looks. And then as a result of that seemed hesitant to take them yep. to take anything to that. You, you see the turnaround, yeah. but yeah, just, just a huge performance. And Aikens was fantastic. He was, I think one for four yeah. in the first half and then what four for four for five in the second half for three. And yep. he finished with 17 points and a, uh, only one rebound. Malik Hall, uh, okay game. He had eight points. He defensively, he was good. Uh, again, second half. That's always a, the caveat we're talking about. When somebody having a good game, it's always in the second half. Although I do think Mati Sissoko played well. He brought great energy, even right from the tip. He absolutely and did. He was he was the only guy who seemed like unaffected by the Iowa game in some respects. He seemed like he was he was in it. You know, good screens and. Uh, rebounding well, four, he had four offensive rebounds, uh, and he also had another one that didn't credit for him. That was one or two of them that were like out of bounds rebound, you know, um, sideline rebounds that were uh, and, and also that were, and also and also plays that he kept alive that somebody else got, right got exactly the yeah yeah by batting it out. No, he was really good, and and again, you know, Derek Walker scores thirteen points, and the numbers are you know six for nine from the floor so he produced he was five for five but he only he only had five re right so the second half again much better and he only had five boards the fact is the number that i pay attention to is the nine not the six right he didn't get the kind of shot attempts that we've seen him get in earlier games against michigan state you know yep and th um, yep. three turnovers so those the, are the digging you're talking about earlier that was right, harassing him right really good job by Marty. i i really liked the game he had no question and jackson was really good too I mean, kohler had four rebounds had, two offensive put, rebounds a couple buckets had a put but one of them a put back 
at a two at blocks, a, an important point. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I really I liked Jackson's minutes. He didn't get exploited defensively. I thought he hung in there. He actually there was one possession and I can't it wasn't Walker. It was somebody else that had the ball in the post and Jackson came over late to apply a double and it forced a turnover. And I thought that was a moment that stuck out to me defensively that he recognized it because I don't yes. know if it was an automatic um, decision to, to for him to come on that. But he came and it because of his length, because of his size, uh, forced the turnover. So I, I think both those guys, you know, the numbers don't knock you out, but man, they were in there. They competed and, you know, you can you can make an argument that Michigan State absolutely well, I, I would make the argument michigan state got what they needed yeah out of that position and uh, in total and you can definitely feel that the rotation tightening as we're getting closer to the end of the season brooks plays four minutes trey hallman plays four minutes they're both fine i mean they didn't do much because it's first half michigan state didn't do anything anywhere uh in the game uh and then you know as far as nebraska well i guess we'll get to in the keys of the game but i think you know tomanaga he, that guy i want to make good, a, but, i want to make a comment i want to make a comment about that before we move on though and it's here, here's one for, for the, um, for the geniuses who say that we're never critical. <laughs> I, I am going to offer one piece of criticism relative to those guys you just mentioned, um, that I would like to see Izzo adjust. I don't know that he will. <laughs> um, there was a stretch in that first half where I think. I think it was when the game was tied at 10 and I believe if I've got it right, Michigan state at that point inserted, they had Jackson Kohler, Trey Holloman and Pierre Brooks all out there at the same time. And I think they had maybe Walker and hall or Walker and Hauser out there with them. So it wasn't as if they had no offensive weapons, but Michigan state was really struggling offensively yeah. at that time. And, Look, I understand you've got to get guys some blows. You have to. Mm -hmm. So you have to play those guys at least a little bit. I personally would wonder if they might be better suited to mix that a little bit. So play Trey, but not at the same time you're playing Pierre and Jackson. Right, not bring the second team in and then you have you know, the first team out. Yeah, right, right. That you mix it up and you get guys rest that way. But that's about, look, uh, that's that's just a thought that occurred to me watching this game because when I saw that lineup out there, it, it I, I didn't love it from that perspective because even though Michigan State had pulled even, they were still obviously struggling offensively and they had just fought back to tie it. Yeah. With a little run and then right out of the game, you know, come starters and in comes this group. And I just thought, boy, this feels to me like a stretch. We're in trouble. Yeah. And sure enough, they were in trouble. Yeah. I, and, you know, there's a part in the second half when it was Hogard, Holloman, uh, Sissoko. And then I don't think even Joey was in. I'm trying to remember. Maybe it was Malik and. um uh, and Aikens, and Aikens probably. Yeah. So there weren't many scores on the floor there either. And then Nebraska, I think, wisely went into zone, which, you know, yep. although maybe you could say, well, that may not be a good idea since Michigan has been shooting the lights out with three, but you, when you have Holloman and Hogart out there, if you can, and, and certainly, you know, um, Sissoko's not going to hurt you. 
it limits your options. But even then, it, AJ was able to sort of attack, and with the pick and roll, they were still able to um, to well, score. Even that, I, I would, I would maintain that the biggest part of that equation that I mentioned was not having AJ out there, even if he's struggling. Yeah, the reality is when you have a point guard that can run your stuff that way and create opportunities for his teammates that can elevate non-scorers into scorers, right? Sure. And so my, it, it was too fast, double faceted for me, two facets. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One was just having all those guys there at the same time, but two was not having them with AJ. Yeah. Now you could say, well, Tyson can get his own and, you know, Malik can score on the blocks and that's true, but I would feel much better about a lineup like that, having a chance for at least some success. If the point guard is out there with them, the guy who's a best creator. Yep. Yeah. And maybe that's one of those things where you're like, well, the, the other thing is you could say, maybe AJ needs to sit out and just kind of watch the game for just a few minutes to kind of collect himself. Cause he wasn't playing well. I mean, no one was playing well and maybe just, and reset and it didn't help. Obviously they, they weren't any better when they, uh, later in the half, although I guess they did make a little bit of a, put up a little bit of fight to stay within contact going into the halftime. Well, that was, and that was crucial. Because oh yeah, sure. Honestly, I mean, that game felt like it was ready to tilt. Yeah. And if it had gone the other way in those last couple minutes and Nebraska pushed it out to 18, 19, I don't know. Yeah. No, <laughs> the think... fact that it was 12 and they actually had a chance to make it single digits if they'd hit a three on that last possession they got was remarkable. It's, I, I wasn't kidding. I was stunned that they were only down 12 <laughs> with how badly they played and how much how many good things Nebraska had done. Yeah. They almost had it at 10 with that tip. And that was the horn just sounded before. Well, that's what I mean. They had it right. They almost had it 10. And if they'd hit a three on that possession, could have, could have cut it to nine. They had a chance. Yeah. Yeah. Really, really remarkable that they were that close. It was kind of almost hard to understand how, except that they did get a couple threes late. They got one from Aikens and I believe got another one from Hauser. Right. Um, late and that helped them, but that was with AJ out there. Yeah. Right. Yeah. AJ. Yeah. And yeah, you could almost say AJ was not good. The first 14 minutes of the, of the game. And then after that, yeah, they, he the was, team better was better down the stretch. Yeah. But they're, they're playing he behind at that point. It's still, they're still yeah. sort of stuck in the mud. They've kind of, it took them a while to sort of get out of that funk. Um, why don't we get to the keys of the game? Uh, we'll start though. Before that, uh, one of the great sponsors of the show is the brothers that just do gutters, Kurt Stauffer and his team over in the West side of the state. Will help you get your gutters fixed out or fixed up. Yeah, if they're like mine, they're a disaster. Uh, I had trees growing in my gutters. I had water uh, just. Whoa! Yeah, I actually had a tree growing like like tree from from so- soil. Yes. within the gutter. Oh yeah. Itself. Oh yeah. It, <laughs> I actually had a tree. How big? Uh, well, you know, it's probably yeah, foot tall foot and a half it was one wow. of those things well you know in the summer you can it was just getting going yeah right <laughs> well what happens of course is the gutters plugged up because it's got all the debris i've got an elm tree surprisingly i've got an elm tree right by my house and the elm tree it does it's avoid dutch elm disease which is a little surprising from west side state that with all the dutch around here you think you get dutch elm disease um <laughs> so anyway the uh, it has and it's this is the, my th- this is my walkout basement. So it's a two story house. So it's like three stories up. There's no way I'm getting up on a ladder to go there. I've taken care of way too many people who have fallen from one story, much less three. Right. Uh, so I'm not going to get up there to get to clean out the gutters. I have people do it, but they have to do it all the time because there's trees like hanging over there. All the stuff's, you know, all the junk's falling in there all the time. And then I'm looking up there in the summer, like, hmm, looks like a stick. And then it fall hits like, 
that's not a stick. That's a stick with leaves on it. That's a tree growing. <laughs> I'm sure the seeds uh. fall on there and, you know, whatever. So <clears throat> anyway, so, you know, Curtis team came out this, this summer, this uh, spring, just a couple weeks ago in, in the terrible weather. They, they fixed my gutters. I had, they're too small. I, my roof is a little too big. And so, you know, when you buy, buy a house, they kind of put the cheapest stuff on most of the time. And, and so got, I got really nice, high quality gutters. I've got leaf guards on now. So I'm all set. They got my, the trees were thrown out of my gutter <laughs> in big clumps in the yard. Uh, and so they cleaned all that up, but I had standing water by my house. It was a, it was a mess. Those things really can cause problems to your foundation. They can cause all kinds of, so anyway, you got to get that stuff taken care of. Maybe you just need your gutters fixed. Maybe you just need them, uh, just the leaf guards on. Maybe you just need them replaced, whatever. They'll do it and they'll uh, give you 10% off if you tell uh, Kurt Final Four. So go uh, email him at kurt.stauffer. That's K-U-R-T dot S-T-A-U-F-F-E-R at brothersgutters.com. Uh, it's a great chain of, of franchise, you should say, brothers that just do gutters. Uh, they just specialize only in doing gutters. And so they do, do as opposed to the sort of the handyman guy who comes by, does it. These guys actually, they specialize in it and they do fantastic work, really fast, insured, all that stuff. It's also, it's also coming up to uh, prime flooding season too. And I know from personal experience, that's another, <laughs> that's another issue that your gutters can be a major contributor. Oh, to. yes. So it is, so you can't, you can't go wrong. Contact Kurt and his team. All right, so let's go do the five keys to the game, but brought to you by Nudge Printing in just a moment. There's no I in team, but there is one in Indeed, and that's the hiring platform that you need to build yours. When you're hiring, you need Indeed. Instead of spending hours on multiple job sites searching for candidates with the right skills, Indeed's a powerful hiring platform that can help you do it all. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it makes hiring all in one place so easy because Indeed does the hard work for you. They show you the candidates whose resumes on Indeed fit your description immediately after you post so you can hire faster. Join more than 3 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. Start hiring now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash sports. Offer good for a limited time. Claim your $75 credit now at Indeed.com slash sports. That's Indeed.com slash sports. And support the show by saying that you heard it on this podcast. Indeed.com slash sports. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This episode is brought to you by Paycor. Paycor empowers leaders to build winning teams. With Paycor, leaders can recruit, onboard and train employees, set goals, and drive performance. If you're a leader, everyone depends on you. Who do leaders depend on? Paycor. Learn more at paycor.com slash leaders. All right, so the five keys to the game brought to you by Nudge Printing. I remind you, Nudge Printing are the... Um company Gabe and his team with Brittany uh, they are spearheading I think I think probably it's a fair thing to say spearheading the Spartan strong shirt um, sales I know a lot of people on the Spartan mag board have bought some uh, we have of course we do all things with nudge printing they print our shirts they print Michigan State shirts we talked uh, and all kinds of different teams too uh, like uh, Texas State like <laughs> Dom least we had on less the bracketage last show that's his alma mater all the schools in Mich the state of Michigan pretty much all of them, Calvin and Central, Western, Eastern, Northern, Michigan Tech, Oakland, Wayne State, um, I think all, uh, maybe Albion, I'm trying to remember the, all the schools. They don't do Michigan because, you know, they're Spartan alums, they're not going to do that. Uh, they also have the vintage stuff. 
you can't go wrong. You can get the Spartan Strong shirts, which help support the um, the shooting victims at Michigan State. So uh, there are all kinds of things you can do to help out us, to help out the Michigan State community, and just help yourself out to have some nice, cool swag. So you can go get uh, 20% off if you type in Final Four at the uh, for a coupon code at checkout. So go to nudgeprinting.com, and you can also find a link to that in the show notes. All right, so the first key to the game for tonight was the defensive glass. And... And before we start, I just want to say, if someone has contacted Michigan State, uh, what is it, like the athletics department and the guys who put together the the stats, and they decided, they told them, you guys got to get this out sooner, we really appreciate it. Because they actually had it out, usually we have to wait like almost 45 minutes before before the stats came out. They were out right away, which is amazing. So whoever, if you if you were the one who pulled that off, kudos to you and make sure you keep it up. Um so Michigan State only allowed 16.7% offensive rebounding percentage from Nebraska, which is fantastic. Nebraska just had um, four. It felt like a million because the couple they had, I think they scored on in the first half and kind of hurt. But they they totally eliminated, limited um, Nebraska. And then surprisingly, Michigan State, which is not a very good offensive rebounding team, got 34% of their misses. So really good game for on yeah. both ends. It's the only thing that you could point to as a real positive in the, well, and that turnovers were reasonably low. Those were the only two things in the first half. But yeah, look, Nebraska. We're not going to fool anybody. Nebraska's not a good rebounding team at either end. No, and and you could see why they have to go small. They were they were creeping up toward respectability when they still had Juwan Gary, and then when he got hurt and his season was over, it it made it into a situation where they had to go extremely small. And you saw that with um, with Wilcher operating as the foreman for a lot of this game. They'd get Breedenbaugh in there for a little bit. Um, but for the most part, it was Wilcher. It was like 6'5". And, and as I think you could tell, and I mentioned this in our pregame, he's not one of those 6'5", undersized foremen who play bigger than their size. He's a guard. Yeah. <laughs> they've got four the, the biggest guy they've got actually unfortunately for them is the point guard Greasel who did yeah, they do a nice job rebounding yeah. in this game but it, it's tough when your point guard is that guy tough for a point guard to really impact the game in a massive way on the offensive boards yeah, they right. can sometimes they could do it defensively but offensively because of where they typically are on the court it's hard to do yeah um so Nebraska is not a good rebounding team, but look, you know, Michigan state got whipped by a Michigan team. That's not a very good rebounding team. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we we've seen it, but it's, it's still good to see Michigan state respond and deliver, especially well, both ends, but especially I think on the defensive glass was important because with the way Nebraska shot, even with the improved defense Michigan State played in the second half, Nebraska still shot a tick over 50% yeah. from the floor on the game. So when a team's shooting that well, boy, you better not give them second chances. Yeah, right. And, this, and they did. And the splits for this game, the game in the first half, Nebraska 58% and second half 43.5%. So, I mean, right. definitely big a difference. big difference, right? Uh, okay, so the number two key, the second key to the game, the threes. I don't know, did Michigan State shoot the threes well, Rod? I think they did. <laughs> You uh, might not have known the first half. Are, <laughs> yeah, but even but that's the thing. They the first half probably felt a little worse than it actually was because they had that that period where they just couldn't buy one. I mean they were like one for nine, right? Looks I mean, with good shooters. Yeah. And then 
And then they, they got those two fairly late in the second half. Again, one from another one from Hauser. And I believe Aikens hit his during that stretch, his first half three. Um, so they were four for 12, not great, but not a disaster, you know, 33%. Okay. On the road, you know, not a totally unreasonable performance and the volume was okay. That was the other thing I, I liked right. about it. Yeah. Um, second half though, uh, as we talked about just <laughs> 12, crazy, 12 that was 17. As, that was as, that was as good a half of three point shooting as you're going to see. Yeah. I think they have to replace those nets. I think those nuts melted. Well, cause that's the thing. It's the percentage 70.6%. So we'll call it 71%. You'll rarely see a team shoot 71% from three. You'll especially rarely see them do it on volume like that. Michigan State took 17 threes in the second half. (laughs) That's a game for them frequently. Yeah, right. You know, in terms of volume. So they've been shooting. They've shot pretty consistently well all year long. But there has been an uptick of late. For as much as I talk about the defense lately had really started to wobble, I think at the other end, I think Michigan State has has hit 80 points at least. Is this four in a row? Mm, or see. three? Indiana, I can't remember Iowa, when they top Nebraska. They, they didn't top it. They didn't top 80 against Michigan, no, they right? Because they, they, they hadn't hit 80 since like Buffalo until the Indiana game. But but the Michigan game actually was not a bad offensive performance no, by MSU. No, they were pretty good. Yeah. So the the offense as a whole, which had really struggled, has been coming. I mentioned this maybe on the Spartan Mag board that in the last maybe two two and a half weeks, they've gone from somewhere in the seventies in terms of offensive efficiency to I think they were at number fifty two. Yeah, they'll be up now heading into higher. this game, and they're going to be up. Yeah, you would think they'll be somewhere in the 40s um, after this one. So they're getting much, much better play at that end. Um, Three-point shooting is not the only aspect of that, but it is a big aspect of that. And they came into this game, I believe, shooting 30... Was it 37 and a half or 38? Yeah, somewhere around there. Yeah, 38% around there, yeah. And top 15. I think they were 14th in the country. And that's obviously going to go up maybe considerably because again, big volume it's the yeah, other percentage, but man, the volume. Yeah. 29 threes is good. Yeah. So, um, very, very, very important. Most games you'd say 29 threes. And I would say, I, okay, let me back up. Most years you'd say for me, you'd say 29 threes. Eh, it's a little high. Usually want to be, they usually want to attack inside, but that's just not this team. Right. And so you're not as upset with a 29, uh, you know, they had, they had as many three point attempts as they'd had. I mean, they only had 13 makes in inside the arc this game, which is um, pretty surprising. Uh, and then the other th- yeah, part, and, and, and this contrast, you know, Nebraska only shoots uh, seven for 23. Yeah. I was going to say for the game good, and yeah. they were, um, and they were uh, three for 12 in the second half. So they, and they shot their so average, Mich- right? They shot about 30%. Yeah, although a little bit below their average at home. Right. They're about 33% at home. They shot 30. But you're right. Their overall seasonal average, they were right there. So, um, you know, it it felt worse than that in that first half. And there were stretches where it felt like, oh, God, is Tomonaga ever going to miss? But, you know, for as, for as much as he did, and look, he had a great game. I mean, he ended up with 20 points. Yeah. 
but he only took 11 shots. Right. Thank goodness. And right now, right now, I'd consider that a victory with the way that guy's shooting. You know, the one other thing I want to mention before we go to the next key is we talk about that offensive efficiency and talking to Dominic, I guess I didn't really appreciate the importance of metrics in the seeding process, right? I think that was one of the things that he said right. was important because, you know, you're, you're either in the field, you're not on the field. And then the, you, they obviously base it on how many wins you have, but also the metrics come plays a role in sort of where you're on the seed line. So if you improve your offensive efficiency, you're actually probably going to be able to move up a little bit higher too, potentially in the seed line as well. Well, here's, here's the thing. I think what really impacts that, and this is what feeds into the overall number that drives your, your Ken Palm overall efficiency is the contrast between your offensive efficiency and your defensive mm -hmm. efficiency. So I don't know how much of a boost Michigan state has gotten because while their offense yeah, has clearly true. improved, their defense has also slipped. There was a point they were in the, in the top 20 nationally yeah. in defense. And I believe they were 32nd or 33rd coming into this game. And they're probably going to decline coming out of this game defensively. Um, so I don't know, but you, you make a good point. It was a very important point that I think he made that you've got it. People talk about things like net and Ken Palm and Torvik, all these things as if they're interchangeable, they're really not. And I think if you look over history, you will find that he's correct where net, where net makes an impact is two main areas to some extent getting into the field, although there can be exceptions there. We talked about number 77 Rutgers getting in right, last yeah, year. Yeah. So it's not like there's a hard and fast, but generally speaking, it's going to be sorting out who's in, who's out. And then also using it to assign the importance of wins and losses, quad one, quad two, quad three, right, quad right. four. Yeah. Right. That's where it matters. But once you've got that sorted out, and again, that's mostly, mostly not entirely, but mostly I think that element is used for determining in or out. Mm -hmm. It would have some impact on the seating, but I think where you see the seating impact is in the, Either the, either of the other types, which is the evaluation methods like KPI, where they're just measuring what you've done to date, what your resume says you are, and then the predictive ones like um, like uh, Ken Palm. Yeah, right. That that's where it comes. So that's where what you're talking about really comes into play is in seeding discussions. Yeah. You know, so I don't know how much of a boost Michigan State gets from this. I think I think where Michigan State does get. Um, potentially a little bit of help perhaps is um that a road win over a quad two team is going to at least help boost a little bit i, I had this discussion today on the spartan mag board people talking about can michigan state still get a six seed and and we talked about that with with our guest right yeah. and it seems to me that if they win if they were to win the game they just played beat Ohio state at Breslin and then win the first big 10 tournament game, at least they'd have a shot. And if they win two big 10 tournament games, depending upon what others do, they might have a very good shot. But I, one of the reasons that I think it's going to be tough is the most optimistic brackets from a Michigan state perspective. And, and his was one of them. Uh, 
seem to have Michigan State in that last seven seed yep. spot. So that you think, oh, well, all they got to do is go up to a six. You just got to move up one seed, but they've really got to leapfrog four teams. Right. And a lot of them are in the Big they Ten. They got to move up four <laughs> spots. Some of them are in the Big Ten, but you got to you got to leapfrog four teams. Yep. And um, and that's not that's not necessarily going to be an easy thing to do. Uh, it would have been the dream would have been dead if they'd lost this. one. Oh, yeah, I think so. For sure. Yeah. For that. But but, you know, the other thing that's really important about this and the impact of that road win is I think it further inoculates you from slipping too far. You can put like a 10 seed out of your mind and probably even put a nine seed out of your yeah. mind. At this point, I think the question right now is between eight, seven and six more realistically, yep. Yep. in part because of what they did tonight. I think I, I totally agree. Uh, so the third key to the game is Kisei Tomonaga. He was really great. I mean, he had 20 points. He was four for eight for three, uh, two for three from the line, seven, 11 from the field. And like you mentioned, only 11 free uh, field goal attempts. He played 30 minutes. And I guess during that that crazy, what it was like 35 to six run that Michigan State went on the right. end or whatever it was. I feel like he wasn't on the floor much, but he must've been. And he just, he was just quiet. Cause it, and then he was just, he not, was in and, out. and then he was out again. He came back in after under the, tw- the under 12. I remember that for sure. And then he must've gone out and then I, but he was just not impactful. They did a good job of uh, Walker was running like a maniac trying to chase that guy around everywhere. And for the most part, did a pretty good job. He got hurt. Um, if you remember, there was a sequence and I'm trying to remember. Okay. That's what I thought, what but they exactly didn't talk about it anymore. Was. Like if it was like his foot or something. He got hurt, came out. And then if you remember, there was that time where he was hobbling. Yeah. He was hot. It was his left leg. He was hobbling a little bit. And there was that segment where he was off the floor and then he had moved up on the bench right by the coaches and they went to a timeout. And they assumed that he was going to come right back in, but he did. Okay. That's what I'm and then he of, did. Yeah. He, and then he did come in after that, but yeah, I think you're right. I think that did have something to do with slowing him down, but on the other side of things, I thought Michigan state was still, when he was on the floor, they were really good at much, much better than they were in the first half in staying with him, largely Tyson Walker staying with him on the catch. Yeah. Because you saw in this game, man, if you give that guy a sliver, he it's in rhythm, not in rhythm, doesn't matter. He's going to take it and the zone he is in right now. Um, I mean, again, in this game, I'm talking about it like they did a reasonably good job in the second half. He still ended up with 20 points. He still ended up, uh, what, seven for 11 from the floor yeah. and four for eight from three. So he's, he's a hell of a player. I'll special. tell you this. Yeah. I hope I hope he leaves. <laughs> they were talking about that during the broadcast. Is that he's a guy who has the option, I think, to take a COVID year. Some of their other guys are going to lose, um, but he's he could come back. And man, if he comes back, I think he's found. You know, last year he gave them some scoring punch, but we talked about this in the pregame. We talked about it the first game. Yeah, um, he was just wild. I mean, there was no rhyme or reason to his game. He was basically just a sniper and he would pull from anywhere at any time. And sometimes he'd hit, but his efficiency wasn't great. And this year it's become a different deal. Yeah. Especially over the last, you know, month or so. Um, he's just been phenomenal. And boy, if he does come back, 
and he can keep this rhythm going into the off season. And I think he's got a chance because what he's shown and he showed it in this game is it's no longer just about threes. He's gone from a guy last year, two thirds of his shots were from three this year, 50%. Now tonight it was a little more tilted toward the threes, but we saw him do damage back cutting people. Mm -hmm. Yep. He got a couple um, layups, three layups. Yeah. He can he can do that stuff um and continue to be a 40% plus kind of shooter from three, which I think he can. Um uh, look out because he he would give them something that Hoiberg has not had at all. And that is a veteran productive perimeter player who gives them real real meaningful point scoring from the from the arc yeah you know but can also do other things too he's just we've talked about it where it's just this constant every year it's a rebuild and getting a guy like tomanaga to come back and then you add in you know lawrence played very well i thought Mm -hmm. in this game and it's a freshman and he's getting better as his role has expanded out of necessity he's getting better he played a really good game against Minnesota in their last one. He was in double digits. He's 15 points tonight. You have those two guys. They may not strike you as superstars, but that would be a hell of a, of a foundation for, um, for Fred Hoiberg to start with going into next season. We had a Tominaga listed as a junior. Was that inaccurate or is it, this is some sort of weird thing because he came from transfer. He's, he's actually played. It, it has to do, I believe with the COVID year. Okay. Gotcha. Um, so he, he went through senior night tonight, his parents, right, were I there, saw that, yeah. but there's been no, right. But there's been no decision apparently. Okay. So if he got, and honestly, for a guy like that with the run he's been on and Lincoln is, and, and you could, you see it every year with Nebraska, even when they've been God off, there's still fun place. Still turn out. Yeah. looks like they still turn out and, and it's, you know, what else, what else do is there doing Lincoln? Yeah, right. Exactly. Right. I, I would extend that to what else are you going to do in the entire state? It's one of my least favorite states in the union right next to Iowa. Cause it's the same thing. It you're driving across them and it's just endless horizon, just flat. Yeah. That's I all know. you've got. And you cross the Platte river um, 25 times on that, on I-80. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so they don't have anything else to do, but who cares? The fact is, They've got strong fan support. And I would think if Tominaga comes back, that's a situation where maybe, and I don't, I don't know a great deal about what Nebraska's NIL program is like, but I've got to believe it's at least competitive. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a situation where a guy like him really could look at, Hey, I play one more year. It's going to help me develop and I can make, you know, I can make decent money. Sure comparable to what I might make in a first contract overseas. Yeah. Um, yeah. That given, given the way he's been going, I would think he would have a chance to, to uh, pull in some decent NIL dollars. That would be my assumption. Nothing's going on in the football field for Nebraska for years. So maybe, maybe, you know, (laughs) maybe you can get some basketball money going. Uh, So the fourth key to the game is post play. We already talked about this plenty. Derek Walker uh, was five five to start the game. Finished uh, one and four the rest rest of the way with a free throw, only five rebounds, two offensive, three assists, three turnovers. He had a couple blocks. Finished with thirteen points. It's you know a decent game, but he was not um, he was not causing real problems, especially in the second half when Michigan State just went in that huge run. So they did a good job of disrupting him. The concern you have when you're going up against Nebraska is 
Derek Walker has shown it against Michigan State and against other programs that he is capable of, I'm not going to say taking a game over, but really impacting a game. Um, and he could do that in a couple ways. He does that with his play in the low post, and he does that as a rebounder. Now, he had an efficient game, but you said Michigan State was much better against him in the second half. There was one segment I loved where he was backing the ball into the middle of the lane, and Mahdi just stayed tall, stayed long, didn't, didn't jump into him, didn't try to block the shot, just stayed long and forced Walker into a miss. And then there was another one where uh, Jackson Kohler got one of his block shots yep. by just staying down and, and not overcommitting, not gambling, not getting rushed. So they did a much better job in the second half. But again, the number that mattered the most to me was the nine. He didn't get a lot of attempts. And that's because Michigan State did a pretty good job in limiting his opportunities to score. And then holding him to five rebounds is a big deal. This is a guy who averages... What I think it's over eight a game. Yeah. Seven so, point seven point two a game. Yep. Okay. So seven a game. So you hold him two under his average. Yeah. That's that's doing good work. Yeah. Uh finally the mentality. I think, you know, I I guess you can't know, but it certainly looked like a team that lacked a little confidence or might have been okay for the first few minutes and then once they started missing a couple shots, it sort of snowballed. Was that a hold holdover from the Iowa game? Hard to say. But whatever it was Whatever they did, they shook it off near the end of the first half and then definitely carried that in the second half and were, you know, fine, <laughs> I guess you'd say. Well, we, we, we know this much. Um, whatever the cause of the first half was, by the time they got to the second, Michigan State clearly did not show any ill effects in terms of their confidence. So uh, whether the first half was produced by Iowa hangover or not, you know, that's, that's open to speculation. I tend to think it probably was some of that, not, not that they came out of the gate. Woe is me, but once things started to go bad, exactly. they were missing yeah. some shots. That's when I think it, it crept in there, but boy, whatever they did at halftime, you know, and Izzo seemed to attribute a lot of it to AJ Hogarth taking ownership and coming out and deciding to put that team kind of on his back and make things happen offensively, create plays for his shooters. Um, it worked. And, and you see what a massive, massive deal confidence is in both directions for Michigan state. And we have seen so many examples of this just in the last few days. Um, again, both directions. This is the other thing I wanted to say about this game too, though. I don't have a way of measuring this objectively, um, so I'm not even going to pretend to try. But anecdotally, it has seemed to me that we have seen more wild swings, both within games, <laughs> so, you know, big comebacks, um, and from game to game, certainly in the Big Ten, I would argue nationally too, but certainly within the Big Ten, we've seen this. If you look at a team like Indiana, Indiana goes into West Lafayette and beats Purdue over the weekend, yeah, right? Sweep. Huge game. And they're coming home against Iowa, a team that doesn't perform very well on the road. And Iowa smacked them, absolutely beat them down. Explain that. You know, I think the explanation is, and I'm just, I'm going to limit this to the Big Ten. 
I think the focus has been wrong in some quarters because a lot of people, oh, the Big Ten's so mediocre, da, 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 even though it's probably the second toughest league in the country yeah. by most measures. Um, I think most of the focus is everybody's so bad. I would say everybody's flawed, but everybody's at least decent to good too. Yeah. In some important ways. And so you don't have a lot of teams in the Big Ten that you look at and say, well, they just can't, you know, they can't score. They don't have they don't have guys that can carry a team with it. Look at Big Ten rosters and even on t- you know Penn State's what I guess the third worst team in the league right now, Penn State and Wisconsin maybe, yeah I suppose. Um, both of those teams have absolute weapons that on a given night could destroy you. I mean, uh, Pickett I think in a forty point plus game right or thirty point yeah plus recently, uh, Wisconsin's got guys that can put up big numbers uh, on a given night. So uh, my point is I think. I think it's it's played out pretty much the way we thought it would in the preseason in that there just isn't very much separation yeah. between anybody. And I think we've gotten to the point that you can probably put Purdue in that category too, despite the fact of how they're viewed and where they're going to be seated. I think we found out that Purdue's not really that much better than anybody else either in this league when push comes to shove. They're still the best team, sure, but marginally so. Um, and certainly capable of being beaten by any one of a host of teams on a given day. Uh, but I think that's part of it is that you saw in this game, Michigan state comes out in the first half and we see all the worst things when this team can't hit shots, when they're not hitting jumpers, it can be a tough watch because they don't get things going offensively and it's a struggle. And then I think it maybe impacted their defense too. something coach Garland talks about a lot. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. is one side letting you know you letting one side's performance affect the other and then we see in the second half they just are insane one of the best <laughs> three-point shooting performances we've ever seen in a half from a michigan state team so what that tells you is they are flawed but they are also capable of playing very very well that's not normally how it is i don't know if people are fully appreciating that and then, and this is not just a Michigan State thing. This is true of a lot of teams where, yeah, they've got problems. They've got issues, which means they're never likely going to be great. But they also do enough things well that they are a threat to beat anybody on any given day. And that's that's what explains what we are seeing in the Big Ten when you look at the standings as much as anything else to me. And we saw it tonight. Yep. You know, ta- you want to talk about tail of two halves. It was <laughs> about as stark a difference as you're ever going to see. Yeah, pretty much. And, yeah. and that's that's the league. That's the league. That's pretty much every team. Minnesota is a negative exception in that sense. I think Ohio State is too, to a lesser degree. And that's about it. Yeah. But everybody else, everybody else, that's what I think. Yeah. No, I think you're spot on. And, uh, you know, so the, the win tonight by Michigan State, prevents them from once again from having to play on Wednesday. So they'll still have never played in those uh, first four uh, first four matchups. So they avoid that again, which is great news. Uh, they're almost certainly, I don't, I guess I haven't looked at the 
possibilities, but I can't imagine they're not going to be playing on Thursday night. I imagine they'll be playing Thursday at some point. Uh, I don't think they can get a double a double buy, but I don't. I haven't worked all the no, scenarios. They're out. Of I mean, because they they the best they can be is eleven and eight, which uh, I guess some other. Well, I guess I guess I guess you'd have to look at. They could theoretically get there, but I don't think it's going to happen. Those there's probably then, more teams then, then that have to lose fact- each other, and so that probably can't happen. And you would be factoring in tiebreakers. And just the last time I looked at it, it didn't seem like Michigan State was in great shape. Um, in that respect, well, Michigan State will have no tiebreakers um, because they'll have one less game, so they won't have any tiebreakers with anybody. Because, oh, right, you're right, so, you're right. So, so I don't know. They'll have it's, a, yeah. So that's a good point. So anyway, it, I'm not going to bother working those things out. It'll all work itself out in about five days, and we'll know exactly what they are. But I think we can. I think you're right about Thursday. I can, yeah. yeah, I think we confidently say that uh, going into if they take care of business on Saturday, and then. You know, you don't know who because you don't know what your seating is. You're either playing uh, like an eight nine game, maybe, or you're playing one of the lousy teams lower down, uh, like a Penn State or Nebraska or Wisconsin, maybe Ohio State. I suppose there's no way Minnesota's making out the first gate round, but um, so you may have a you game that, that's not going to be very helpful. You know, you may have a quad but three. I, but I'll tell you something. I'll tell you something. <laughs> if it would be the most fitting thing about this season of the Big Ten. If Minnesota were to rise up and beat somebody, <laughs> that, I, I would give it a very small chance just because of how truly bad they are. But I wouldn't say it's zero. Yeah. I mean, you could say could <laughs> not, it, not when you're talking about could it be Wisconsin, you know, Wisconsin sure. and Penn State. Yeah. Th- those teams, you know, they've made mistakes <laughs> so this year at times. Yeah. Right. So and Minnesota, for as bad as they've been, they've got two guys kind of what I was talking about a minute ago. They've got two guys in Dawson Garcia and Jamison Battle. Yeah. Jamison Battle's had a bad year, but is it possible that he could catch fire for one day and be the guy he was last season and carry them? Yeah. Could Garcia, who's had a decent year offensively, just explode for one afternoon? Yeah. You can't rule those things out. So, um, but yeah, realistically, you're you're probably talking about some you're definitely talking about Thursday I'm with you I don't see how they get to I don't see the path to the double bye um most likely although I guess you never know yeah uh is anybody sitting on 12 wins other than Purdue they're not right no that's and that's the thing like you know and again I don't know who so, plays who and you know it somebody's got to yeah. have to win some of these games look I'm sure well, someone's I'll actually figured this, it out Michigan's one of those teams sitting at 11 and I think that's where they stop they're 11 and 7 I don't I don't think they're beating Illinois or Indiana on the road. I think they actually, they've gotten a really bad set of outcomes because Illinois is coming in off losing to, to Ohio state. I suspect they're going to be angry and Indiana, what happened to them today? I don't think there's going to be a repeat. If you wanted That's a scenario right, yeah. that ensured, right. Ensure that they were locked in and focused. This was it. So if you're a Michigan fan, I don't think you're very happy. And and Iowa will host unfolded. Nebraska, so they'll probably end up twelve and eight. And so I think you've got Iowa eight, has eleven wins now. Yeah, they're eleven. Oh and God, eight. they do. Yeah. So so it'll be. G- they went from being nine and nine, if if the game at Iowa City yeah. turned out the way it should have. Yeah. To eleven and eight, and you're right, twelve and eight. So they'll probably be a twelve win team. Not sure who Northwestern closes with, but in any event, I still think it's unlikely that Michigan State. I don't see the path. Yeah, Northwestern so finishes with um, at uh, Rutgers, I think. Yeah, or Penn State. Probably Thursday. Yeah. Probably Thursday. But um, 
it would seem to me that almost certainly they are going to be playing a very competitive game because sure. all of these games should in theory be competitive. And that's where, what I was just talking about comes into play. Um, are you, are you playing, are the, are the good things about your team showing up in sufficient amounts that they allow you to win a game or are your flaws more pronounced on a given night and you lose. And I really think that's been the story and every team in that mix is capable of having those good things that they do show up. Absolutely. So it's going to be wild. There's no, no, no way to handicap this thing. I'm looking forward to I mean, it. They're just, yeah, this is, it's been a rarity. And somebody asked this question on a message board and I, I didn't have the answer handy. You might remember, did one of those, did that year where Iowa won the big 10 tournament, this goes back a while under Alford, were they, they were in the Thursday game that year, right? Correct. They must've been. Yes. So it's happened that time. I'm wondering if there've been any other occasions, but it's pretty remarkable that for as many times as the big 10 tournament has been played, we very rarely see that bid stealer scenario. We were talking oh, about in the bracket. I don't think it's ever episode. happened. Well, it happened with Iowa, but I think they're going to be in the field anyway that year. Okay. But I'm just saying even extend it further, maybe not a bid stealer scenario, but someone coming out of playing yeah. the Thursday game, like a six, a six it. seed winning it or something like that. Right. It is. I'm, I'm thinking it's happened it has more happened. often than that, yeah. but not a lot. So normally you would feel pretty confident in saying, well, look, it's going to be war one of those top four teams yeah, I, this year. Come on. I, there's no way I, well, there's no way to handicap this. And I think when Iowa won it last year, they were they played on Thursday. That's it. So okay, so so they've done it a couple times. Yeah, I mean I, at least. Yeah. So yeah. I, I think it's uh I think it's happened. I almost feel like in the Big Ten tournament, the the one seed doesn't win that often. <laughs> it's not that the one seed dominates, but it's one of those Friday teams. Yeah, I suppose that's pretty consistently been the. We'd pattern, have to look it up. If I you guess. Look. But you're, I think yeah. you're, I there's mean, not a, you guess I'd be the case confident in saying there's not a lot. Yeah, there's not a lot of it. We only had that one year with Illinois came all the way from the Wednesday game and they almost they played in the finals and got right. destroyed by Michigan State. Right. where They just had dead legs. Right. That was the only time I think there's a, an actual automatic qualifier. Which well, that, in those days, I think it was those days. I think it was just a Thursday game. Oh, we didn't have the Wednesday. You might be right. Yet. Yeah, you might be right then. Yeah, that was that was early on in the tournament. But in any event, uh, my point in all of this is. Normally, that's the scenario. Normally, you look at it, you say, well, the extra day's rest plus quality of the teams usually means, almost always means, it's a Friday team that's going to win it. You don't know which one, but a Friday team's going to win it. That's, <laughs> I don't know how you handicap this thing because new, you know, now you've got everybody on neutral floors, so you're taking home court out of it. The, these games, almost any game you could have, other than games that Ohio State and Minnesota are participating in, to me, are you know reasonably considered to be toss-ups. Sure, and I would even say you Ohio know? State could beat someone. I, they're oh, they they're could. Just I'm good just saying you would. Most everybody would be favored against. Oh, them, sure. but not by a ton. Sure, yeah, yeah. Whereas the rest of these games, seriously, I'll be interested to see what the Ken Palm spreads tell us. When we get to that yeah. point, because I have a feeling it's going to be a whole lot of one point spreads. <laughs>
one or two at the most, you know, so it's going to be wild. And, you know, what, what impact that has as we, our bracketologist friend, uh, Dom told us, um, probably not much impact other than you can do yourself some good. If you get to, if you get to play Saturday, not necessarily the result you get on Saturday, right. but if you get to Saturday, you get to a semifinal. Cause you've won a quad so, one game most likely to get that. And it adds most one likely and resume. Yeah. And you want, you got at least one. And if you're in Michigan state situation, you probably won two games to get there. You might have two quad one wins or a quad two and a quad one. Yeah. Which would help. Yeah. So, it remains to be seen, but I think it's going to be a wild week in that sense. I expect that there are going to be some crazy games, um, very competitive, and it should be a lot of fun from that perspective. Um, but, you know, bringing it back around to tonight, I think as a Michigan State fan, um, the biggest takeaway for me is the resiliency. Yeah, I was going to say, this team was in the mats, right? Once, yeah, they like Once again, yep. Yep. they responded. They said, we're not going out like this. We are better than this. We're going to show that. And they came out and they found a way to up their energy, up their effort, and absolutely up their execution. It's just like the Penn State games, right? It's like you got beaten by Northwestern at home. You had every reason to go to 0-2. You go and you win a road game in Penn State, a game that you had no business winning in some ways. And they they did the same thing tonight where they kind of had no business winning this game. And they just... Had to play great in the second half, and they did, and pulled it out. Well, I I would I would say I, I don't quite get to that last conclusion. <laughs> um, I absolutely think in totality, if you look at the forty minutes, Michigan State was clearly the better team. Oh, no question. Yeah, but but you know, normally, yeah, you play a first half like that, you're not going anywhere. Right. Exactly. So full credit to them for the response, and so now you go into senior day on Saturday against Ohio state and you take care of business there. Look, you're here's what it would mean. You're 11 and eight in the league. We would assume they would have found a way to beat Minnesota at home. So this could have been a 12 and eight team in the league. That's, you know, given everything they've gone through the injuries, the, the, the incident on campus, you know, uh, Uh, just a lot of stuff thrown at them. I don't think that's a, I don't think that's a bad performance. And in a year where, yes, you could say the big 10 did not have dominant teams at the top as we usually see, but man, if there was ever a season where the old cliche about, Hey, any given night, no rest, every team in this. Yeah. You just didn't get breaks. You were not playing garbage teams. And the one garbage team there was MSU didn't get to play. (laughs) Yeah. Pretty good overall. Not, I'm not, you know, I'm not saying this is an all-time great performance by any stretch, but I think, I think you can feel okay with that as a Michigan State fan. And I, I also think that it would solidify what my overall impression has been of this team, which is at least through the regular season, they are improved from the last two years. No question. Now, do they continue? Do they continue into the postseason and and play well? Because those teams actually both, I think, found another, particularly last year, found another gear when they got to the postseason. Can this team do that? And if they can, they could do some damage before it's over. Yeah, you feel it's lurking there, right? It's like there's a potential there, and, and you know, we'll have to see what happens. But 
But the other end of it, if you want to look at the glass half empty side, first half is you look at the first <laughs> half. You look at the way they close the game against Iowa. That was another thing too. Before we go, that we should probably mention. And I think you you said it. Once they got the lead in this game, they just didn't let it go. They didn't turn back. Right. And that was absolutely true. What a contrast to what I what happened in Iowa City. Um, in the way MSU took care of it. Now, I, I do want to mention this and see what I'll ask you and see what you think. Were you surprised by the way Fred Hoiberg opted to play those last, say, three minutes? He kind of gave up. Because I me. was. Yeah. He didn't press. He, there he was didn't really, never. But I don't know. There was. Didn't press. Didn't. Um, didn't foul. I mean, he didn't, didn't really. foul. Yeah. And he had guys, he could he had a couple guys with four, but he had guys that could have been designated foulers. You know, if it, it's, it's funny because it makes you wonder how cognizant was he? And it may just be that he doesn't like that approach, Maybe, but, but you, how cognizant was he of what Iowa was able to do by just extending the game that way? You know, it was very surprising to me to see them not put Michigan state to the test because you would think coming off a fold job like that, that you would say, yeah, Hey, press I want to yeah. see if they can handle Absolutely. it any better this time. Press them. See if you can force a turnover. If you can't follow them quickly, let's see them step to the line. Now at the other end, you know, Nebraska did absolutely zero offensively. Yeah. So it likely wouldn't have mattered, but you never know. I was a little bit surprised to see that. Yeah. You think it would have tested their um, mental uh, fortitude yeah. after the collapse. Yeah, you know? so, absolutely. Yeah. It was a strange decision, but maybe there's other stuff going on that we're just not aware of that with Could the be. Nebraska stuff. Could be. All right. Well, let's get out of here. I want to remind you to support a show by supporting our sponsors. That'd be Nudge Printing. Go to nudgeprinting.com. 20% off checkout by saying final by typing final four into the coupon code. And also the brothers just that just do gutters out on the west side of the state. In the basically uh, Grand Rapids area, out to Holland, Saugatuck, uh, you can get a hold of it. Kurt Stauffer and his team to take care of all those things now that spring is coming and the rain is about to fall when it stops being snow. Anyway, uh, until next time, the Final Four is not the schedule. Go green. <laughs>